Welcome to this Jeremy Bamber and White House Farm podcast. The year 1985 marked a heightened state of AIDS awareness, and at the time it was dubbed in the media around the world as the Gay Plague. Homophobia was often an everyday occurrence across the UK, with a government advertising campaign to raise awareness about AIDS so that the public don't die of ignorance. In the popular press, there was a degree of hysteria and intolerance over AIDS and what was viewed as a direct relationship to homosexuality. It was suggested that AIDS and HIV had initially been more virulent amongst the gay community than in the heterosexual community. Even television soap programmes such as EastEnders addressed homophobic attitudes. These attitudes were endemic within the police and it is widely reported that at the height of the AIDS epidemic in 1985, the Chief Constable of Manchester Police, James Anderton, made the comment that victims were swirling around in a cesspit of their own making. It is therefore important to look at the Bamba case against the background of these cultural and social values prevalent at the time of the tragedy. Let us note that Jeremy Bamba had homosexual friends and it was speculated that he was bisexual, Jeremy's previous girlfriend and witness, Sue Ford, said the police and press persisted in pursuing the line of inquiry that Jeremy was homosexual. There are also handwritten actions, including those by DS Stan Jones, where he refers to Brett Collins as looks like a puff. Did Stan Jones still believe that homosexuality was a criminal offence? Perhaps he did, as he later gave evidence that he had been looking for anything to arrest Bamba for. Disappointingly for Jones, homosexuality had been decriminalised since the Sexual Offences Act 1967 ruled it was no longer an offence for two males over the age of 21 and in private to have consensual sex. However, the attitudes of the police, for the most part particularly among the older police officers, remained largely unchanged. Stories reported in the media of police officers in Manchester being encouraged to stalk alleys and expose anyone caught in a clinch, while police motorboats with spotlights cruised for gay men around the canal's locks and bridges. As you will hear from comments made by police officers in the Bamber investigation, some still held an aversion to anyone in the gay and lesbian community. Throughout DSI Ainsley's reports of the 23rd of September 1985 and the 7th of November 1985, he addresses the issues of the sexuality of Jeremy's friends, airing his own suspicions that Jeremy might have been homosexual. Both of Ainsley's reports are littered with references to this, but Ainsley failed to make any correlation between Jeremy's association with homosexuals and the shootings. It appears that two dynamics were going on. Firstly, that accounts of Jeremy's sexuality were speculative on the part of witnesses and police officers based upon Jeremy's friendships. And secondly, the police and conventional culture linked homosexuality to criminality. Many of the disclosed police documents have colloquial language for the term homosexuality and made connections between homosexuality and criminality. For example, P.S. Robert Carr, son of James, the manager of the caravan site and a metropolitan police officer, said in a statement that Jeremy was very effeminate in his mannerisms and speech. A further example is supplied in both of Ainsley's reports to the Director of Public Prosecutions in 1985, in which he wrote, he fell in with criminal and homosexual company. The estate beneficiaries, particularly relatives Anne Eaton and Robert Bowflower, made several references to Jeremy's sexuality. In addition, Julie Mugford stated in her 10th of September 1985 witness statement that, although I cannot say Jeremy is gay, I believe him to be bisexual, although to my knowledge he has not practiced it since knowing me. 
Throughout evidence in their statements and in other documentation disclosed to Jeremy in 2011, the relatives who became beneficiaries repeatedly referred to Jeremy's sexuality in an attempt to have a negative impact upon his character in the eyes of the police. DSI Ainsley brought the matter of Jeremy's sexuality before the Department of Public Prosecutions, the DPP. The information he provided was based on comments made by Julie Mugford and the beneficiaries, but this was undermined by the testimony of other witnesses who knew Jeremy, including Jeremy's ex-girlfriend, Suzette Ford, and friend, Michael Deckers, who stated during an interview some years later that, contrary to a number of published reports, Jeremy was not gay. However, DSI Ainsley chose not to disclose the contradictory evidence to the DPP. It appears that Ainsley consistently failed to reprimand his staff for viewing Jeremy's sexuality as relevant to the case or for using abusive terms about homosexuals in police documents. This was an attitude that saw supposedly impartial members of a public institution fall in line with the relatives of the Bamba family in holding prejudices. Again, this may well have aided the DPP to reach a decision based on misleading and inaccurate information. In his report dated the 7th of November 1985, Ainsley said, Physically, Jeremy is 6 feet 0 inches in height, well-proportioned muscular build. He has natural fair hair, which is presently dyed black. He is handsome and certainly has a way with the opposite sex, and by all accounts, his own. He is considered by some who know him to be bisexual and has admitted to Mugford that he has indulged in at least one homosexual relationship. There is no doubt, as previously stated, that Brett Collins is homosexual and he and Bamba have kept close company in New Zealand and since Collins arrived in the United Kingdom in June 1985. Ainsley deliberately misrepresented Jeremy's character in his reports to the DPP by including comments from people who obviously disliked him as well as being eager to reference his sexuality. In particular, Ainsley wrote that Jeremy fell in with criminal and homosexual company whilst in New Zealand, informing the DPP that Brett Collins was an admitted homosexual. In all likelihood, Ainsley knew that his reports of Jeremy's connections with homosexuals would have been well received by the DPP. The Bowflowers and the Eatons were equally prejudiced, and they ensured that the police knew their opinions on Jeremy's sexuality. The events at White House Farm were not sex crimes, and it is therefore of no relevance whether Jeremy was homosexual or not, but the evidence indicates that Robert Bowflower and Anne Eaton had a misconception that sexual preferences were somehow linked to being a criminal. Robert created a diary at the request of Ainsley on the 7th of September 1985. Some of the comments made by him in his diaries include 1. Saying he shacked up with two BOAC, British Overseas Airways Corporation, stewards in their flat before catching a homebound plane after 10 days in the place. Gay? 2. His visit to New Zealand was short-lived. He returned very suddenly, in fact. Had to spend 10 days in Singapore or Hong Kong without a cent in his pocket. He met up with and shared a flat with two BOAC stewards. Gay. 3. Jim postulates that Jeremy had to leave New Zealand in a hurry. Why else would he have to spend 10 days in Hong Kong or Singapore without a cent in his pocket? He boasted that he had met two BOAC stewards and shared their flat with them. Gay. 4. He had been lent money to indulge in a world tour which took him to Australia and New Zealand. June had worried that he had made friends with a man who had just come out of prison.
On his return to this country, he had refused to help on the farm, preferring to earn a wage as an assistant in the kitchen of a little chef at Rivenall End. At this time, he was seen accompanying a young man with a feather in his ear, and a gay relationship was suspected. Robert's daughter Anne had no reservations in expressing her own attitudes. Amongst her evidence, she stated, 1. Jeremy and Brett played about a bit. Julie was ignored, seemed strange. He looked a pufter. 2. With Julie, and I thought obviously ignored Jeremy, but he looked a puff. Colin Caffell later stated in his book, published in 1994, that he had been told by a person who chose to remain nameless that I was told that day that Jeremy had displayed overt transvestite tendencies, sometimes appearing around the village dressed as a woman. It is therefore odd that in the hundreds of statements the police took from people who lived in the village, not a single one had stated this in evidence. Again, we believe that it was the Bowflowers and Eatons who were responsible for creating stories like this. This attitude continued after the trial, when in 1986, an internal police review was ordered, which was conducted by DCI Dickinson. The report created by Dickinson also presented Jeremy in a biased way and relied on the evidence of Julie Mugford and Robert Bowflower. Dickinson undertook to provide a complete character assassination of Jeremy, who he represented as a money-hungry sexual predator who is engaged in unsavoury homosexual activities. What comes through strongly in the report is Dickinson's own opinions and his willingness to condemn Jeremy for murder based on what he regarded as moral shortcomings. Dickinson outlined how, in his opinion, Jeremy had committed other moral crimes of association with homosexuals. His report states, Having left school in July 1978, Bamba attended college at Colchester and at the age of 18 or 19 years went to Australia, returning one year later to his parents' address. It is thought that during this time, Bamba also visited New Zealand and fell in with criminal and homosexual company. Dickinson reveals no sources or references for this information, which has no evidential credibility. In 1991, Robert Bowflower was interviewed at his home by officers from the City of London Police Inquiry on suspicion of tampering with evidence, colluding with police officers and presenting a fake diary as evidence. COLP officers DCI O'Connor, DI Hammett and DS Young of the inquiry team visited Robert and Pamela Bowflower to interview them regarding the allegations and a report was created setting out what was discussed. One section of the report states, Mr. R. Bowflower cited many incidents concerning J. Bamber's unsavoury character, ranging from suspected homosexual activities to stealing money from O.C. Caravan site. Obviously, there is a deep hatred of Jeremy and what has been done to Mr. R. Bowflower's family. In my view, this understandable hatred has coloured Mr. Bowflower's recollection of events, but not when it comes to hard facts. To this day, some TV documentaries, the media and authors still pursue this attitude based on no credible evidence. In most cases, these individuals have never spoken to or met Jeremy. By way of example is the 2020 six-part drama White House Farm, created for ITV by Chris Merkser and based largely on a book written by Carol Ann Lee. Neither Ms. Lee, Mr. Merkser, the producers of the drama, nor Freddie Fox, who played Jeremy on screen, have ever met Jeremy or even spoken to him or seen any full psychological reports on him. And therefore the character they invented wholly misrepresented who Jeremy Bamber really is. It is difficult to understand the relevance of Jeremy's sexuality to the case. The rumors about which were all perpetuated by Essex police 
the relatives and Julie Mugford. For instance, even if Jeremy were having a sexual relationship with another man, or indeed a woman, other than Julie Mugford, all this would illustrate was Jeremy's infidelity, which might or might not be a small reflection of his overall character. But equally, it would still have no bearing on the case. Would your sexual preferences make you a murderer? Of course not. It would be easy to blame the attitudes of a number of the key police officers and witnesses involved in the case for the assertions about Jeremy's character. In particular, Robert Bowflower and DSI Ainsley ensured that their opinion of Jeremy's sexuality was used to his detriment, and it seems clear that they believed it was one of the root causes of him being capable of committing murder. Their prejudices were woven into their evidence and used to enhance the scenario they created to achieve a conviction against Jeremy. And even today, as we have seen, some filmmakers and authors create and link homosexuality with criminality. Although, in the main, public opinion of homosexuality has changed significantly since 1985, not just regarding the LGBT members of our society, but also in respect of mental health. Had the catastrophic events at White House Farm happened in the more liberal and educated society of today, it is without question that Sheila's battle with mental health and psychosis would have featured to a far greater extent in the investigations and not resulted in the character assassination of an innocent man in order to appease the wider family. If you'd like to join our mailing list for the latest updates on the case as they happen, please email us via our website www jeremy-bamba.co.uk